The Group, Session 7 Reginald was first to arrive. Welcome, Reginald. Please come in. Novak, can I speak to you before a group begins? Reginald asked. Nova looked at the clock. I'm afraid we do not have time to speak together, Reginald. I was wondering, is it something you can explore in the group tonight? Nova replied. Reginald looked at the clock just as the buzzer sounded for other members to be let in. Reginald, do you need to leave early tonight or is there something else? Nova asked before pressing the button to let the others in the building. Oh, I just wondered if I should tell them about Chloe and Cindy. Reginald asked, wanting direction. That's not for me to decide, Reginald, Nova replied, buzzing in the group. I'm interested to see how you negotiate your urge to share more and the use of group time and appropriateness for what feels right, Nova said as she gestured for Reginald to find a seat in the circle. Reginald nodded he understood and hoped he could trust himself not to blurt out more about himself as a way of confessing to things he felt may be judged by others just as he did. Paul, Trixie, and Dolly entered the room, talking about the cold evening air as they removed their jackets before Helena and Tony joined them to begin group. Nova looked about at everyone welcomingly. So, we are beginning our seventh session tonight, and I'm interested in how you are all working together, exploring and challenging things to understand more about yourself and each other. Nova began the session. Actually, I'm feeling a little like there's not much interest in me, Nova, Trixie said. The group was surprised to hear this. Why is that? Dolly asked. You've had your share of talk time, she pressed. Trixie shook her head. Dolly, are you telling me I'm using up too much time for you to be interested in anything more about me? Trixie replied. Dolly looked about at everyone and then replied, well, I can't see anyone shutting you down. Talk. If you have something to say, just say it, Dolly pushed. Ugh, Trixie moaned. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Unless I say something or initiate sharing something, no one would be interested. Trixie shared her fear. Aren't any of you interested in what's behind my mask? Trixie felt frustrated. You do know this is all fake, right? she said, waving her arms over her outfit. The group sat looking at Trixie for a moment as they contemplated her words. Nothing looks fake about you to me, Paul replied. It's your art. I throw my paint on a canvas, but you are your own canvas, he added. And I like how you put it all together. You know, 
like the way you accentuate your dark blue eyes and your red lips, the way you wear your hair in all different ways, long and tossed, then high and pulled about, and your clothing is funky and interesting. You're someone that would catch my eye on a tram or in a coffee shop, you know, like someone who's creative and has an interesting story. I'm super interested in you, Trixie. It's just that so much happens in group and the time goes so fast and, well, I'm glad you've called out to say, hey, what about me? Paul smiled at her genuinely. It's something I never did as a kid, or even now. So I'm impressed by your ability to call me and the rest of us out, Paul said, as he smiled at Trixie. Trixie looked back at Paul. Well, then, if you were painting me, what would you see? She asked. You told us no matter how big your subjects smile, you always seem to capture their pain. So, can you see mine? She asked directly. Paul looked at Trixie a moment as the other members watched the communication between the two of them. He looked at Trixie's eyes before she pulled her gaze from him uncomfortably. Paul noticed her body and the lines she formed in his mind. He noticed the folds in her top and the jewelry she wore about her neck. Her hair was loose tonight, far looser than some of the other styles she had worn in previous sessions. Then her legs, long and lean, and protected by knee-high boots. Trixie was dressed entirely in black, except for her jewelry. I think you hide your pain well behind your beauty. I've painted many people, men and women, who are quite beautiful aesthetically, and it's pretty much distracting for us mere mortals. Like, I think we all like to project assumptions about people. I've learned it's a way to keep ourselves safe with people. You know, like we have an expectation from people to show us how safe they are to be with. I heard you say another time when we were all together that your reflection seemed to be something of a caricature you created, and it shocked you, as you were really hiding from your truth about being depressed. Paul took a moment before continuing, as Trixie had now returned her gaze to Paul as he spoke. Well, I think you're a little threatening to me, Paul shared. Trixie felt uncomfortable with Paul's description. Threatening, she asked. Yes, well, I may be somewhat fatalistic, but after Dave died, it really shook me as it seemed so wrong. He was talented and good. He was heartfelt and sensitive. He lived in a world where he felt every ripple, lump, and sound. I suppose the threat I feel from you is that you are also very sensitive, and even so sensitive beyond your beauty that you could harm yourself, and it concerns me to be careful not to rock you. I want to touch and feel you, but I don't know how to gauge what is safe and unsafe. I guess I don't want to put a knife in your hand because of some kind of stumbling stupid question I may ask. It's just I feel your intensity, I suppose, Trixie. Paul stopped speaking a moment as he felt himself well with emotion, then added, I don't know how to keep you safe from me, he said with some resignation. Nova watched as Trixie looked at Paul, surprised, then looked at the group. Is that how you all feel? Like I'm on the edge? Trixie asked. 
The group shook their heads no, but added nothing further. Nova felt the group unsure of where to go. Trixie, so I see a couple of things we might touch on first before asking for further clarification. Is that all right? Nova asked. Trixie looked around at everyone, then back to Nova. Okay, I don't understand. So Paul thinks I'm going to kill myself, she asked. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure what Paul thinks exactly. Only what I heard he has just shared is some way from that. Nova began as she kept Trixie's connection while bringing the other members in to join her. What I'm hearing from you is you have been feeling a little avoided by the group. You've contributed well in offering thoughts and encouraging others to talk and even initiated a change in the space shared between you all. However, you feel there doesn't seem to be much inquiry of you in return, Nova shared. Trixie nodded. Yeah, well, I think I'm doing my part as an active member of the group, but no one asked me about me. Right. Well, I think Paul has just described he's recognizing a sensitivity about you beyond your outward appearance. I think you said once you look like you have it all together. So I wonder how you might show the group when to recognize you're struggling, and likewise when you've had enough inquiry in the moment. Nova asked, I heard Paul share his pain at losing a sensitive friend, and he's reminded of him with you. I think we're listening to Paul trying to figure out how to not cause emotional harm to you, and even I think we might be hearing Paul project unresolved guilt for his friend's death, as he suggested he doesn't want to put the knife in your hand. In relationships, others bring themselves to us, and it is through our communication that we untangle who owns what, what the other wants, and how to get there. Trixie looked at the group, then back to Paul. So you do see me beyond the outfit, she said. Paul felt himself well with emotion. It hurts me to know you could have died at your own hand, Trixie. I'm scared I might say something stupid or miss a sign. I suppose I need to trust you, Paul shared. Trixie nodded. She was beginning to understand Paul's avoidance and perhaps even the group's appreciation for what was being explained. Tony leaned in. So did others closest to you have a similar response to the one Paul is describing, like being careful with you and avoiding certain topics or even the attempted suicide itself, he asked. Trixie nodded. Yes, no one really talked about it at all. I think they think if they say anything, it might trigger me to do it again. Not that that has to be the focus for all my relationships, but it happened. It scared me. It scared them too. It is what it is. But I can't have you scared of what I did too. I want you to know no matter what any of you could say would ever be responsible for me hurting myself. I need you to be brave enough to see me and ask questions as they come to your mind so I can be brave enough to ask more of myself. I'm inside here, and I want help to be freer, Trixie explained. Paul sighed. I feel relieved to hear you say all that, Trixie, Paul said, nodding. Yeah, I didn't recognize the extent I was feeling my own fear for your well-being and not exploring you with you. 
because of my own unresolved guilt about Dave dying in the park. Paul exhaled deeply. I, I, I feel like crying. Trixie looked at Paul. Thanks for speaking up, Paul, and everyone for being here. Dolly looked at Trixie with concern. So how will we know if you become suicidal again? What are we meant to do? I don't know how to help people with mental illness. I thought you were meant to be better now, Dolly questioned. Reginald nodded with everyone as they opened themselves to learn more. What can we do to help, Trixie? he asked. Trixie looked around at everyone and felt she mattered to each of them and that they could see and feel her beyond her appearance. It's difficult to explain, but I suppose I'm getting my head around the interplay of relationships regarding what we all carry with us. Of course, there's nothing anyone can do but be your splendid selves. It helps. I'm glad I spoke up. You don't have to worry about my mental illness, Dolly. I have a therapist for that, she smiled. Dolly's eyes widened as she looked around at the others. Oh, I thank goodness for that. I was just about to have a chicken, she said with a straight face as the group broke into a small laugh. Nova nodded as she watched the group strengthen their internal rules of working together in their own unique way. How is everyone feeling about the unpredictability of group topics within the group's predictable frame? Nova asked. Helena nodded first. Good. I like that we can attend to whatever presents as the need arises, she shared. Reginald agreed. Actually, I had a head full of anxiety tonight about sharing something or not. And well, I'm learning it's not always the right time. I'm learning to attend to my urgency. Thanks, everyone. And thanks, Paul and Trixie, he finished. Tony simply added, great, really great. I'm glad I'm not a therapist, Dolly shared with them all with the wryest of smiles. Paul laughed at Dolly's comment. Well, I can honestly say, Dolly, I'm glad you're not a therapist, too. He said as others joined him laughing before turning to Trixie. And uh, thanks, Trixie. I guess we are all helping each other. This is how group therapy works, hey? He added. Trixie nodded to Paul. I am sorry your friend died, Paul. I get it. Nova looked toward Paul. You said you felt like crying, Paul. Is this still so? She asked. Paul shrugged. I guess my tears are waiting for me to find something big enough for them to land on and hold them. I don't simply want to roll away and become lost to me. Each tear holds too much. My tears have waited too long and are too precious for me to lose. Paul shrugged again. You know? Holding your grief back sounds like you might believe if you let it be known to the world, the meaning might be lost somehow, Helena asked. I mean, it's as if you were the only one that can hold the truth and protect something that precious. Paul thought a moment. I just don't want the importance of who someone was to be lost in a simple story. I'm holding him inside me till I can find the place worthy enough to lay him down. He died in a park, you know, discarded by society. It's a fucking disgrace. He could have been treated the way he was. I suppose I'm looking for a gentle place for him to fall. 
Nova Hellpaul's thought. I think you're describing something many can relate to, Paul. You're capturing for us all the importance of love and loss and how one holds and moves through grief once one lays down the truth of all that went before. Paul nodded as he wiped a single tear from his eye. Thank you all for your work tonight. I think you all have much that will be valuable for us to continue to discover when we meet again. Nova looked at the group. Thank you, everyone, she repeated. See you all next week.